The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Well, hey, good morning, church. Uh, good to see you all. Uh, again, I say it every week, but you can't actually, I can't actually see you. You can see me, but uh, good to have you here. Uh, if I have not yet met you, my name is Chris Martin. I am the lead pastor here at Fathom Church, and, and really, we are glad that you're here with us today, uh, Fathom Church Online. Uh, we've been going at this for about a month now, so it's starting to feel uh, regular. So uh, with, without uh, any further ado, would you guys please grab your Bibles? Uh, if you brought your Bible, I hope you have it. Would you open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 4? Uh, 1 Corinthians 4 is where we're going to be today. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you don't maybe have one of your own, uh, you can open up a phone or a tablet and literally Google search 1 Corinthians 4. You'll find it there. Uh, but, but that's where we're going to be today is in 1 Corinthians chapter Chapter 4. Today we come to the close of this first section in 1 Corinthians, which is really uh, chapters 1 through 4. Uh, and chapters 1 through 4 is kind of the first major movement in this letter addressing divisions in this church in Corinth. Uh, and after Easter, uh, so next week we're going to do something different, but after Easter we're going to pick up uh, chapter 5, which is where things get real messy real quick, um, and Paul starts to address sexual immorality in the church. And I, I was looking this week, the, the NIV translation of the Bible has a heading for 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that says, uh, dealing with a case of incest. So yeah, that one's going to be real fun, real interesting. Uh, you'll want to be back in a couple of weeks for that. But today we're going to finish up chapter four as we end this section of divisions in the church. And, and, and what Paul does at the very end of chapter four, the very end of this, this long segment, is that he starts to address spiritual authority. Now, he's been talking about this throughout the last four chapters, but he's going to really hammer in on spiritual authority today. Now, when, when many in our, in our day and age think about spiritual authority, they tend to think of it as a bad thing, all right? Uh, uh, we, we tend to think of the abuse of spiritual authority, or we even begin to think of some of the just real crazy kind of wacko stuff that's out there. Uh, so I, here's some examples. I've heard uh, some crazy stuff in my time as a pastor um, that other church leaders have done in a move to kind of exert their own spiritual authority. So one guy uh, I heard once said, uh, our church leaders wouldn't let us wear jeans because they believed that wearing blue jeans gave the impression of rebellion. Because because nothing says rebellion like blue jeans, right? Am I right? Right? Um, here, here was their mindset. He went on to explain. In the 60s, 1960s, hippies started wearing jeans. Now we have terrorism. Cause and effect. Like, how do you argue with that kind of logic, right? Okay, uh, but that, that's just crazy. Um, at that same church, the, 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 this guy brought uh, a girl friend of his, uh, and an usher approached her and said, ma'am, women aren't supposed to wear pants. To which she responded by grabbing her belt loops and started to pull them down. And, she, and he was like, no, 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 no. But you, you can kind of see how, how some crazy stuff can get in there. Uh, one gal said that at her youth group, you were not allowed to wear black polo t-shirts. Any other color was fine, but black meant that you loved the devil. Okay, uh, I don't know where you get that from. One of my favorites that, I, that I've heard was, uh, the, one, one girl said, 
our church leaders would not let us trick or treat on Halloween because it was Satan's birthday. Then one of our church leaders had a baby born on Halloween, which is just like the best, you know, perfect. Like, can you, I can even just imagine God's up in heaven, like calling to the angels. Hey, come on, come on. Look, 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 look at this. Look what these guys are believing. Like, this is going to be good. You want to see this. You want to see this. I mean, it's that kind of crazy uh, that gets into some, some spiritual authority conversations. But, but, but when we hear of, uh, of spiritual authorities and the scandals surrounding them, that, that becomes really real quickly. Um, leaders stealing money, leaders having affairs, even, goodness, uh, that, the whole Catholic church abuse scandal. I mean, it, it, spiritual authority is at best being questioned, if not outright rejected. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, the writer of 1 Corinthians, he has something to say about spiritual authority and how it's actually supposed to function. So that's what we're going to look at today. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 14. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, You do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So for for the first four chapters, Paul has been just calling out the Corinthian church for for, uh, their division, and, and rightly so. Like they've been dividing over which leader they liked the best. They were quarreling over like who they liked, who's preaching they liked, who, who, who's, um, whose presence they liked. They've been doing that. They've been settling for what, what Paul said was the wisdom of this world, just kind of conventional wisdom as opposed to the wisdom of God, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And they had been boasting in themselves, in their own intellect, in their own ability, in their own status, rather than boasting in the cross of Jesus. And so he's been just going after them for four whole chapters. And and we find out why today in our text. And the why is this, because they're family members. They're his family. That's what he just said. He, He says, you are my beloved children. I don't write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you because I love you because you're my kids. I became your father. That's, that's this dad, this concerned dad talking to his children who are really making some, some, some crummy life decisions. And he says that they have had countless guides in Christ. That's what he said. And, and the word that is translated guides is actually, it evokes this image in Greco-Roman society of a slave who was assigned the duty of leading a child to and from school. Like this slave who would be in charge of kind of overseeing the kids, protecting them, keeping them out of trouble uh, during the day. But this character was often portrayed in Greek society as something of like an imbecile, like um, um, a kind of moronic character. Essentially, uh, like in my mind, this is just, the picture is a really crummy babysitter. 
just a really terrible babysitter. And Paul is very likely in this, these, when he says countless guides or 10,000 guides, he, he's likely referring to the church leaders in the church in Corinth who had come in after he and Apollos had left um, and, and who had begun to mislead the church into these divisions and factions. And what Paul's reminding them is, is that he, Paul, is their spiritual father. Like he was the first one to bring the gospel to them. He was the one through whom God gave them new life in Christ. And so he's building on this image of the church as a family. They were his children. He was their father. There were some sketchy babysitters that have led them astray. And just like every healthy family has some sort of authority structure, so does the church. The church has a healthy authority structure. I'll say it like this. Healthy spiritual vitality is linked to healthy spiritual authority. And where uh, a church has countless guides who lead them in unhealthy spiritual authority, you will likely see very unhealthy spiritual vitality. So Paul, he is starting the ending of this section by saying, hey, all this dysfunction, okay, all these factions, all these divisions, they're all linked to unhealthy views on spiritual authority. You're following the babysitters. And they're misleading you. But daddy's stepping back in. That's kind of what his message is here out on the outset. And then he goes on, verse uh, 16. Look at verse 16. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Now, uh, we're going to get to that imitate part, but, 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 uh, but I want to first uh, make a point, my first point about spiritual authority uh, with those first three words. I urge you. Church, here's the first point. Spiritual authorities urge. They they don't command, they urge. True biblical spiritual authorities are not trying to be the boss of people. They're they're not trying to, to exert their authority in a real domineering way. No, they're to urge those who they lead into a deeper love and walk with Jesus. Now, uh, lest anyone thinks this sermon is self-serving, which it kind of is in a lot of ways, like, oh, of course, the pastor wants us to follow spiritual leaders. Like, so it's kind of self-serving, but let me just say this. Uh, We have many different levels of spiritual authority to consider here, okay? Um, So yes, like your pastors, your elders of your church, they are spiritual authorities. I am a spiritual authority here at at Fathom. Um, But but I, as the lead pastor here, am under the authority of the elders, the team of elders. They are my spiritual authority. We are mutual spiritual authorities for each other. Like we have staff members at our church who are spiritual authorities in their respective areas, okay? How about parents? Consider parents, okay? Moms and dads are supposed to be spiritual authorities in their homes, or, or maybe you're just simply further along in your Christian journey and you're discipling someone who's not so far along. Like you have an authority at some level in that relationship. Spiritual authority is all over the place, okay? But, but, but good spiritual authorities urge. They don't command. 
Like, remember the parental analogy here. This isn't harsh parenting, like, like commanding their kids to obey. This is a, a loving parent urging their children to obey for their good. So uh, I was thinking about it. When I started in ministry, uh, I, I started meeting with another pastor who was about 30 years older than I, um, and, and he had been pastoring for a long time, and he was just kind of like a mentor to me. I was new at this. He was, had been vet, veteran kind of uh, pastor for a long time, and so we would meet at Starbucks, and we would talk. Like, we would just talk life and, and church and family and strategy and Jesus and spirituality, just kind of, we just talked like really whatever. Sometimes we just talk about sports. Like we just talk. He was just there to, to mentor me. And we would sit for an hour once a month and just, just kind of chew, just chew, just kind of engage and and dig in. And, and we did that for years. Actually, uh, we continue to do this now. He's now kind of in uh, right around 70, a little, maybe a little older than 70. And I, I just sit with him. I still sit with him and I, I let him speak. I mean, literally this week, I did this this week on Zoom. I, uh, cause we're all kind of, you know, staying at home. So, so, and frankly, don't you wish you'd bought stock in Zoom like a month ago? I mean, you'd be doing fat and happy right now, but you know, whatever. Uh, but, I, but I called him, I Zoomed him, I FaceTimed him, right? Like, I just want to sit and absorb all that he has for me. And, and there have been times where he said things that have been hard for me to hear. Like things I'd rather not hear about selfish ambition and, and pride and, and arrogance that he'd sense in me. But the way that he spoke, like the way that he, he even called me out on hard things, it was never in a domineering way. It was, it was never to prove that he was right, that he was wise, that he was mature, and that I was just a fool. It was never to, to just kind of put me in my place. You see, I know he wants the best for me. I know he, he loves me. I know he cares about me and about Marcy and about Harper and wants our good. And so he urges me towards Christ, urges me towards good, urges me towards Jesus. Spiritual authorities urge us towards Christ. Like a good father urging a beloved child towards their best life. So that's the first point that I see in the message today about spiritual authorities. The second, though, is in verse 16 as well. So let me read that again. Verse 16, I urge you then, be imitators of me. So now on to that second part, imitation, okay? And this is the second aspect of spiritual authority that I want to point out. So point two is this, spiritual authorities model. Spiritual authorities urge and spiritual authorities model. They model Christ to us. Now, don't let your mind immediately go to pride here, okay? Like, like Paul isn't being prideful here as in like if he was just haughty and saying, oh, I'm so, I'm so awesome, imitate me. I am just perfect, imitate me. That's not what he's doing here. Actually, if we think back to last week's text in, in 1 Corinthians 4 verses 9 through 13, these are the things that Paul had to say of himself and the apostles as spiritual authorities. I'll just list them out, okay? He said, we are last of all. 
We are fools. We are weak. We are held in disrepute. We hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. We're reviled. We're persecuted. We're slandered. We are the scum of the world. We are the refuse of all things. And now he says, imitate me. It's like, no, I think I'd rather not, bro. Like, I think I'd pass on all that stuff. Scum of the earth, like I'll pass on that. You see, Paul, he, he, he's not boasting in himself, but rather he's making a point about spiritual authorities. They model Christ. He goes on, look in verse 17. He goes on, um, this is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Now, why has Paul sent Timothy to them? Why? Well, it just said to remind them of Paul's ways. And then the next two words, to remind them of Paul's ways in Christ. That's the key. Like, why can Paul have the audacity to say, imitate me? See, he, he can only do that because he is first imitating Christ. Paul is defaulting to this higher authority. He's not saying imitate me as if I am some sort of solo authority that you must default to. Rather, spiritual authorities model what it looks like to follow Christ. That's because they're under the higher authority of Jesus to begin with. See, the top leader in any church is not the pastor or the, the elder or Paul in this case. The top leader is Christ. Jesus said so much in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. He said this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus saying, all authority is mine. It's been given to me. So Paul, now under the authority of Jesus Christ, says to the church, you imitate me. He'll go on in chapter 11 saying, you imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, we can quickly think about this and, and recognize that there's a kind of a problem inherent in this statement, imitate me. Here, here's the problem, question. Anybody feeling confident today that they want to say that about themselves? Hey, imitate me. Like, y'all, imitate me. Anybody want to say that? Well, kind of, right? Like, imitate me in some ways. Like, there's some good stuff, but don't, not everything, all right? Like, don't imitate everything. See, the, 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 the problem in the question becomes this. How do you get to be one who's worthy of imitation? Like, how do you achieve that level? Like, is there some sort of like level of perfection that you've got to reach, level of sanctification that you've got to get to in order for you to become somebody who is worthy of imitation? Well, I don't know. I don't know if there's some sort of like perfection that you have to attain to. I mean, Paul, was Paul perfect? Certainly not. You, you kill Christians, that goes outside of the realm of perfection, okay? But like, so, so he, this guy still has loads of stuff that God is working on in him. And really, frankly, if we understand the Bible correctly, there's only one perfect person, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So, so Paul doesn't, and Paul does not say, it's important, Paul does not say, hey, imitate Jesus. Just imitate Jesus. That's not what he says. 
Like people will sometimes say that all the time. Hey, just act like Jesus. You just do what Jesus did. And like, I get what they're saying. I get what that means. But here's the problem, okay? We can't fully imitate Jesus because here's the thing. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never sinned. And thus, he never needed to do what we do when we sin. Have you ever thought this? Jesus never confessed or repented because he never had to. He was perfect. But we aren't. So we have to imitate someone else when we fall short, when we do something wrong, when we sin. And that's what Paul's admonishing them to follow his lead on. Like, I, I think Paul means that those worthy of imitation, those worthy of mimicking, those worthy of modeling our own spiritual growth on, they're not perfect people, but they are faithful to confess and repent. I think that's what Paul's saying. I think he's saying, hey, what's worthy of imitation is not that I've got it all together, but I'm walking with God. And, and when I fail to live up to the standard that I know God has set for me, I'm quick to repent. I'm quick to enact change to the best of my ability. He's like, follow Jesus. Yes, follow Jesus, but imitate me. I mean, goodness, the, the, the mark of a good spiritual authority is not one who never sins, but it's, it's what one does when they sin. That's what I see here. He continues, verse 18. Verse 18, some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. So what Paul's doing here is he's referencing back to those who are creating these factions, back to these guides, these leaders. And he says, hey, I'm coming back. Like, I'm going to come and visit you. They may think I'm not coming, but I'm coming. And we'll see what kind of authority these people really have. We'll see it in their power. We'll see it when dad gets back. We'll see how these babysitters live up to the standard. And then he ends this section in verse 21 by saying, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod? or with love in a spirit of gentleness. And, and, and here in this last verse, I think Paul gives us the last point I want to make about spiritual authority this morning. Um, and that's this, spiritual authorities are gentle. They're gentle. Because in this moment, Paul is now referring back again to those spiritual guides that he talked about earlier in the, in the passage. I called them the, 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 the junkie babysitters. Um, but these slaves, these, 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 these babysitters, these guides who would supervise the children in Greco-Roman homes, they're often uh, characterized as stern taskmasters. Like, like in Greek pictures that they have on vases, like paintings on vases, frequently these, these, these guides, they would have sticks in their hands or clubs in their hands, and they were frequently recognized by the rod that they carried, and they would impose their authority on the kids with physical 
force. And so, so Paul is returning to this contrast of, of these spiritual guides who are kind of moronic and brutal. And, and he sees himself as this good spiritual father. And he says, hey, the rod, they, they, do you want me to come with the rod? The rod is this image of severe discipline. And Paul says that, that, that he comes not with the rod, but, but as a good spiritual authority, avoiding force, psychological or physical, because it's contrary to the nature of the cross, to the way of love. He says, do you want me to come with, with the rod or wouldn't you rather me come with, with gentleness? Now, this is not to say that spiritual authorities don't ever discipline aren't ever exacting themselves with whatever the proverbial rod might be. But here's the the caveat. Good spiritual authorities never start with the rod. They always start with gentleness. Parents who are here will amen to this, okay? No good parent likes to discipline their children. Goodness, it's like the hardest thing that I have to do in in life, in parenting, is disciplining my little girl. Because I love her. Like, I love her, and I don't ever want to inflict pain on her. But, But I do. At times, I do because I love her. So I was thinking back to uh, one of the first times that I had to give uh, my daughter a spanking. Um, So yes, uh, we spank in the Martin household. We spank. Uh, I know some of you don't. That's cool. We'll hook you up with a counselor when your kids are teenagers. Okay. So just saying, but, but I remember one of the first times I had to give Harper a spanking. Okay. Frankly, I can't even remember what she did. So there's part of it. I can't even remember what she did, but, but I told her the way we did it is I told her that she was going to get spanked. And then we went up into her room and she was fighting me and weeping and crying all the way up, begging me not to spank her bottom, pleading with me not to. But we had set this expectation for discipline. We had set the rule. She had broken the rule. She had sinned and there was going to be a consequence. There was going to be discipline. And so we sat down. I pulled down her little pants and I swatted her bottom and she wailed and she cried. And, and listen, at that point, I'm all teary because this is my little girl and she's crying and, 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 and I would do anything at this point. I mean, I remember the day that she was born that I would, I swore I would do anything to keep her away from pain. And, and that spanking was just that. It was just that thing. It was me keeping her from pain. It was me inflicting some pain on her, but ultimately it was for her good because I love her and I don't want her to go through ultimate more, ultimately more pain. But listen to me, okay? Listen to me here. After the spanking, after the spanking was over, I was so quick to sweep her up into my arms and to, to, to wrap my arms around her and hug her neck and to, to kiss her face and to wipe her tears away. Like, like, hear me, even when we use the rod, even when leaders, spiritual leaders, authorities, parents, even when we must use the rod, we do so in a spirit of gentleness. This is the way of Jesus. Matthew 11 says just this. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let me wrap this up this morning, church. Uh, Three things, once again, spiritual authorities urge us towards Christ. They model to us Christ and they are gentle like Christ. And all we need to do, what we all need to do is place ourselves under good spiritual authorities, which will produce good spiritual vitality. And this is especially true in light of this COVID-19 crisis, because here's the truth. We are all going through this very difficult season and and where you go for guidance and care and direction in this time will determine a lot about how you weather the storm. Like, I don't know about you, but this week specifically for me, uh, I felt like the novelty of the quarantine kind of wore off. I don't know if you felt this, but but for me, I, I felt like the novelty of this whole thing wore off and, and like the reality of being in and being afraid and being having fear and this, this virus and just people getting sick and people dying, it just all kind of leveled on me. And I felt this low grade depression just kind of set in on my heart and my mind. Like I just felt down and, and I didn't seem to be able to shake it. Um, and I'll just tell you, like there are a lot of spiritual guides out there who want to give us advice on how to manage this stuff right now. But, but church, I, I want to urge you to consider who have you submitted to? Like, is it, is it some social media guru? Is it some TV personality? Is it yourself? I mean, frankly, like, do you just do you and do whatever it takes to make you feel right and good? And that's the current way that you go. Like, is, are you your own spiritual authority? Man, I'll tell you this week, uh, as I was really for the first time kind of feeling this crisis personally, I started making phone calls. Like I called one of the guys who played a part in um, me coming to Christ. I just told you I, I, I videoed my mentor. I, I placed myself under the spiritual authority of men who I knew would point me to Christ. Church, Under whose authority have you placed yourself when it comes to these things? I want to urge you to find spiritual authorities, like find them. Goodness, call me, call one of our elders, call your D group leader, maybe call a parent or or a friend you know to be further along than you and and, and follow them, like imitate them, uh, mimic the way that they follow Christ. You were never meant to follow Christ alone, but in a family. So this is what good spiritual authority looks like. I pray that you would find some and submit under them. Let's pray together. Well, Father, I'm grateful for um, this text. I'm grateful for wrapping up chapters one through four. And I am also very grateful for the the spiritual authorities that you have placed in my life and that you place in all of our lives, that you call us, Father, to, to submit to good, godly, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, spiritual leaders who will guide us in Christ towards 
you. And so, Father, I do pray for our, our, our church in this season, for men, women, children, students, everybody who is, who is engaging with this, Lord, that you would prop up spiritual authorities in our lives that would help us be pointed to Christ rather than to other places in this season. God, help us, give us grace, give us wisdom to know how best to submit to the authorities that you have given us. Lord, we love you. We bless you for this word from the Apostle Paul for us, for our good. Uh, Lord, use it now uh, in our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.